I would like to say good evening to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton. I will be your host and your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Yule, and the vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It had been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 85 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Greek language the Hebrew language nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself 
because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. 
Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Uh, Andre McDaniel, followed by scripture, which will be Genesis, the, which one did I have? Genesis, the 28th chapter, read by uh, Dr. Lawanda Decker of our Detroit, Michigan class. Dr. McDaniel. You're on mute, Andre. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. May we all borrow our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father Yahweh, we thank you for allowing us to come here today. We thank you for waking us up and letting us know that you didn't wake us up so that we could go on about our daily lives. You cut out, Andre. Can't hear you. Tools so that we may do this. And we ask that you, the Holy Spirit, move through the vessels that come through the floor today and that we learn something. And these blessings we ask and many more in Yahshua's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I will be reading Genesis, the 28th chapter from the Holy Name Bible. Genesis 28. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram to the house of Beth thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And El Shaddai bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a sojourner, which Elohim gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Paddan Aram unto Laban, Laban, I'm sorry, son of Bethuel, the 
Aramean Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's, and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to pattern around to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Paddan Aram. And Esau, <clears throat> seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives, which he had Mahala, Mahala the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to the heavens and behold the angels of Elohim ascending and descending on it. And behold, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, the El of Abraham thy father and the El of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely Yahweh is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of Elohim and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rolled up, the, up early in the morning, <coughs> excuse me, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was Luz at the first. And Jacob bowed a vow saying, if Elohim will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then shall Yahweh be my Elohim. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be the house of Elohim. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee the tenth unto thee. That was Genesis, the 28th chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. McDaniel, for the prayer and Dr. Decker for the scripture reading want to once again say good evening to everyone and thank you for joining us. 
We're happy to have visiting with us again, um, Brother Joshua Brown. I believe his first visit with us was when we had our last in-person class. So we're happy to have you, Joshua, and we do hope something is said that'll spark you to come back and study with us. Before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone to please keep your microphones on mute unless you're called to speak or you're reading, and to please keep your cameras turned off. And for our first speaker of the evening, we'd like to have from our Southfield, Michigan class, Dr. Dorian Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good evening, class. Good evening. And I'm glad to be here and have another opportunity to learn of Yahweh. Huh, this is kind of a surprise. I don't, <laughs> I don't really have much on my heart in my mind. But um, since we have a relatively newer person, I'll um, go, through a th uh, go through a few things that uh, I've come to learn in this school and, and what the school is about. If I can have, uh, uh, what is the scripture? Without a prophetic vision? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I forgot to announce that would like some help reading because our normal reader is not here today. So okay. Um this is as no a moderator. Thank you. As the moderator said, this is a school, not a church. And so we come to learn of Yahweh. And this school was established as the result of a man saying that he had a vision directly from the creator himself. And we don't expect anyone to believe that just because we say it. In fact, um, most of us, when we first heard it, were very skeptical about that. Like, what? Here's this guy saying he had a vision. I know I'll speak for myself. I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't know, you know. So, but what we come to understand is if you know anything about this book we call the Bible, that is how God whose true name is Yahweh, that is how he always dealt with mankind. He gave them vision, visions and revelations. That book that we call the Bible is a collection of visions and revelations that men had. Yahweh appeared to these men and they wrote things. So give me the scripture real quick. What is it? Oh, uh, did you have it? I thought, I thought someone said they had it. I uh, have it. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry, I was muted. I'm That's sorry. Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law, I'm sorry. What, what? I'm so sorry. Did I ask, did I get the wrong scripture? Without a prophetic vision, no. Oh, okay, Proverbs I did. 29, Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs, thank you, Sasha. I'm sorry. I couldn't think, I knew it was, I'm like, is it Psalms? And so this is a school. <laughs> Nobody here is uh our professional preachers or anything like that we come to learn about our creator so forgive me if i can't remember all these scriptures uh, go ahead proverbs 29 18 mm -hmm. there is no prophetic vision the people perish mm -hmm. but he that keepeth the law happy is he okay thank you so now this is uh in proverbs so let's see if you have a decent study bible Give me one second. Let me grab my Bible. Mm -hmm. You have a decent study Bible. It'll tell you who wrote the book. And we're so in Proverbs. I think that's was it Solomon or is it David? Uh, Solomon, I believe. Or David. Was it David? One of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, my point is this is 
he he was writing because Yahweh appeared unto him and told him what to write. And they're clear about that. So now give me, <clears throat> excuse me, Jeremiah uh, 2 and 1, Isaiah, started 1 and 1, Isaiah, pretty sure Jeremiah is 2 and 1. No, wait. Nope, Jeremiah 1 and 1, and one 2. So. Mm -hmm. That's Jeremiah 1 and 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Helikai, of priests that were in Anatha in the land of Benjamin. So this is his introduction in this book, Jeremiah. He's this, this man named Jeremiah is writing something. He's saying who he is. Go ahead. To whom the word of Yahweh came in the days of Hosea, the mm -hmm. son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Right. So he's talking about this word of Yahweh came unto him saying, tell him something. Uh -huh. right. now, uh, Isaiah 1 and 1. <clears throat> Isaiah 1 and 1. Mm -hmm. The vision of Isaiah, the Amen. son of A. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first sentence, the second word. Oh, right. <laughs> the prophet Isaiah stating that he had a vision this entire book what you're about to read is the vision go ahead uh -huh. the vision of isaiah the son of amos which he saw concerning judah and jerusalem in the days of uzziah jotham ahaz hezekiah kings of judah okay ezekiel one one ezekiel one and one now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Shebar, that mm -hmm. the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of Elohim. Mm -hmm. Good. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of the king Hoshashina's captivity, the word of Elohim came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest. Mm-hmm. The son of Buzai in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Sebar, and the hand of Yahweh was there upon him. All right. I think that's good enough for visions. What we're establishing is that Yahweh's consistent about this. Now, this is a school. It's not a church. So on your own time, do some investigation. And really, for a lot of these books, particularly in what's called the Old Testament, you only have to read the first couple of verses, maybe the first chapter, and you'll find out that they say something about having a vision, or as we read in a few of those, the word of God came unto me or appeared unto me. So what are we talking about? Commonly, when uh, we read or or maybe uh, in, in our church affiliations or whatever, the word of God is commonly referred to as the Bible. Well, when these men are talking, first of all, the Bible, as we know, know it, it's not, has not been written. And even if it was in some form or fashion, the Bible, like we think of it, are they saying that a book came up to them and began to speak to them? Clearly, that's not what they're saying. So what do we have to go into this? Now, I got this thing about the vision to show that when we first, when we, uh, as an introduction to the school, this man, Henry Clifford Kinley, said that he had a vision from God. And so... As I said, many of us, who first, when we first heard that, we were skeptical about that. Now, what he said was, he said, don't believe me just because I say that. He said, make me prove it. 
And what he means by that is you listen to the doctrine and you put it to the test. You challenge it and try to find holes in it. You understand? And so what Yahweh did with all those prophets, if you read these books of the Bible, someone uh, mentioned that a few classes ago about uh, just reading the Bible. It can be a good read just from a, you know, because sometimes we don't want to read it saying, you know, I don't know. It can be difficult to read. But if you get into the stories, they, they're kind of pretty interesting stories. But what you'll learn is that Yahweh is consistent in the way that he works. And you'll see that Yahweh, these prophets, these men that he came to, he gave them some kind of proof and evidence. You understand that he that he did appear to them and what he told them was true. And so that's what the founder of this school stated. And for those of us who have been coming and who've actually tested it out, we have come to learn that, that Yahweh did indeed appear to them. Now, we don't worship Henry Clifford Kinley at all. We need to say that and get that out of the way. He is not our savior. He is not our great leader. He was a man that Yahweh appeared to, just as Yahweh appeared to Moses. But we're not worshiping Moses, are we? <laughs> you understand? He was a man who Yahweh used to further along his purpose. That's how Yahweh deals with mankind, speaks to mankind, visions and revelations. In fact, Moses had multiple visions. So, and he talks about those going up into the mountain. So now, <clears throat> in this vision and revelation that he gave Henry Clifford Kinley, he breaks down who he is. Now, what we'll find is it's the same thing he showed to Moses, and that's what we're looking at on this chart. In fact, these charts that we that we show, they may look like scrambled eggs. You may say, well, what's going on on these charts? Dr. Kinley said that these charts, he drew these charts out based on what he saw in his vision and revelation. So this chart here that we're looking at, the title is right there at the top, Elohim, the archetype, which means original pattern of the universe. And what he's showing, he's showing that for as many things he's showing, but one of the things he's showing in this chart is uh, you see Moses up here in this cloud. And you see right here, it says panoramic vision of Elohim to Moses in 1490 BBY. On the other opposite end of this, you see John, who was one of the uh, apostles of Yahshua the Messiah, or disciples of Yahshua Messiah, it says next to him, panoramic vision of Elohim to John in AD 96. So what he's doing is he's showing that these men had visions, and what he's saying is his vision is uh, verified by their visions, or in other words, they saw the same thing. And he was clear about this many times, and that's that if I come in saying anything different than what Moses and John said and all the prophets, then I'm a liar. You see, so he was clear. He's not, he didn't come up with a new doctrine. It's the same thing that Yahweh showed to Moses, same thing that Yahweh showed to John and the rest of the prophets. So one of the things that he showed is I want to get into this word business and I'll be down. This, um, we read, uh, who was that? Jeremiah talked about the word of uh, Yahweh or the word of God came unto me saying, again, that's a phrase you will hear many times when you're reading the Bible. These prophets state that the word came unto me saying. Uh, now, so we, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that it's not, they're not talking about a book, the Bible, that came flapping up to them saying anything. So what are they talking about? So now uh, give me the name chart real quick, please. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's important to understand 
the true name of our Heavenly Father. It's not just us harping on the name to because we want to make ourselves different. It is vital to our understanding of our creator. Okay. Um, there was another scripture. I'll think of it in a minute. But now, as we go through in the moderation, or that's the beginning part of every class, we talk about the true name of the Heavenly Father being Yahweh. She says that the true title of the word or son is Elohim. And the name of the Holy Spirit is Yahshua, the Messiah. So now understanding the true name helps us with our understanding of our creator. There's a um, common Christian concept called the Trinity. If we understand something about the true name, that helps us understand how that is an impossibility, the Trinity. That is a concept that was invented by the Catholic Church. That's not in the Bible. And where it comes from is because the misunderstanding of what's in the Bible, partly because they took out the true names. So now you have Yahweh, the Father. Okay, give me uh, 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 I can't think of the scripture. I need a scripture about uh, maybe it's John 1 and 1. Let's try John 1 and 1 real quick. John 1 and 1. Thank you. In the beginning was the word. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's what, my mind is not working today, but that's the one I wanted. Okay, so we have Yahweh the Father. We have Elohim, the word or son, and we have Yahshua, the Holy Spirit. Seems like these, these are three separate entities, deities, people, whatever you want to call them, you see. But now what Yahweh revealed through vision is that, oh, give me, oh, before we get that, hold John 1 and 1. I de I'm definitely going to need that. Get Deuteronomy 6 and 4, please. We're going to use the Bible to, to number one, disprove the concept of... Uh, the Trinity, I think we've already covered the concept of visions that Yahweh has always dealt with mankind with visions and revelations. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Mm -hmm. Hear, O Israel. Right. Our Elohim is Yahweh, a unity. Okay. Now, again, I say this every time I'm up here, but this is a school, it's not a church. We, uh, what we want to learn in school, we, all of us were taught that in grade school, elementary school, you want to know who, what, where, when, why, and how. But due to our time constraints or time restraints, we can't read every chapter of every book when we read it. But we just picked that up at Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, and the fourth verse of the sixth chapter. We don't know who's speaking, who they're speaking to, why they're speaking, when are they speaking. So I'm going to tell you, but it's up to you to verify that and do your own research. Don't just take my word for it. But this is, go ahead and read that again. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Mm -hmm. Here, O Israel, mm -hmm. Yahweh, our Elohim, is Yahweh a unity. Okay. Uh, let me get to it. I'm so slow getting through this Bible. All right. I think there's another part I want to. Keep reading. I'm sorry. The fifth verse. Uh -huh. Shall love Yahweh, thy Elohim, with all thine heart. And with all thy soul and okay. with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Okay. All right, that's good enough. Thank you. So what I wanted to get was I was trying to get who's speaking. We just picked up that one verse. Yahweh Yahweh Elohim is Yahweh a unity or in a 
King James Version, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your the Lord our God is one Lord. All right. So we're trying to find out who's speaking, who are they speaking to. So this is Yahweh speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. All right. So he said, this is Moses saying, or, or Yahweh's telling Moses to tell them, Yahweh our Elohim is Yahweh a unity or one. Another thing is the word Trinity, I told you that was a concept that was invented by the Catholic Church. The word Trinity, that word is nowhere in the text of the Bible. It may be in the footnotes, it may be, you know, in, in these little uh, explanations in your study Bible, but in the actual verses, that word does not, does not appear ever. Okay, but Yahweh being one or Yahweh being a unity does appear. Now, let's get First John 5 and 7 real quick. Mm -hmm. That's First John 5, excuse me, and 7. Mm -hmm. For there are three that bear record in heaven. That's what I was looking for too, right. So we mm -hmm. have, go ahead, the Father. The Father, the mm -hmm. Word, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And these three are one. Are one. <clears throat> so now we said we have Yahweh, the Father. You see on this chart, Father. You have Elohim or Elohim, the Word or Son. And then you have Yahshua, and you see Holy Spirit there. So read first down five, seven again. Mm -hmm. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Mm -hmm. The Father, the, the Father. Word, Yahweh, and the Holy Spirit. The word, mm -hmm. Elohim. And mm -hmm. Yahshua, the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. And these three are one. Okay. Read, keep going. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. Mm -hmm. The Spirit and the water mm -hmm. and the blood. And these three agree in one. All right. So now we have Yahweh, Father, Elohim, Word, Son, Yahshua, Holy Spirit. We're keeping it very simple. These three are one. So what does that mean? Now, you can go back to the Moses chart, please. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. You can't stay here. It's right here at the bottom of the chart. Mm -hmm. um, so now, again, remember, these charts were, uh, they are what this man, Henry Clifford Kinley, saw in a vision. And they're explaining what he saw and what he says that Yahweh showed him. So now he's saying that Yahweh is a unity and not a trinity. There are not three distinct beings or persons of the Godhead, as you as it is said in Christianity generally. But what he said is Yahweh is spirit. That's John 4 24. Grab that real quick. And what we're trying, the reason I'm getting these scriptures is because to show you that these things are in the Bible. John 4 and 24. Mm -hmm. Elohim is spirit. Right. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. So then our question should be, what is spirit? <laughs> right? And think about that. Try to define that to yourself. What is spirit? Is it a ghost? Or, uh, what is it? We can look it up in the dictionary. Let's do that real quick. See what it says. Mm -hmm. I actually have that dictionary coming up. So let me okay. share that screen. Okay. Um, all right. So we're looking for spirit, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. The principle of conscious life, the mm -hmm. vital principle in humans animating the body, 
or a mediating between body and soul, mm. the incorporeal part of humans. Mm-hmm. Keep going. I'm curious what pertaining right the adjective pertaining to something that works by burning alcoholic spirits. Let's let's mm. do this one. It says see more. Here we go. Yeah. The soul regarded as separating from the body at death. Mm-hmm. Conscious incorporeal being as opposed to matter. Mm-hmm. A supernatural incorporeal being, especially one inhibiting a place, object, etc., or having a particular character. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's good enough. But while we while we're at it, let's get that word incorporeal real quick because that's right. going to come up mm-hmm. a lot. So right, right. This is one of the words that Dr. Kenley used to describe Yahweh too. So mm-hmm. I, I so go ahead. Incorporeal, not corporal or material insubstantial mm-hmm. of relating to or characteristic of non-material thing okay now get corporeal then mm-hmm. this is a school this is not a church we look up words we use dictionaries encyclopedias um uh concordances all those things go ahead right corporeal of the nature of the physical body bodily right material tangible so now we can really understand incorporeal right so if Mm -hmm. corporeal is of the physical body then incorporeal is the opposite of that or without a physical Mm -hmm. body not fleshly you understand all right so now let's go back to the chart Mm -hmm. so clearly when we read that definition for spirit i don't if you really look at it they really don't know what it is and and the funny thing about it is uh if you look up consciousness what does it mean to be conscious? Like we all have consciousness, right? Look up what is the consciousness. Scientists, doctors, they really don't know. And they'll say that. They really don't know what it what it is. What is consciousness? You understand? What does that mean? So what we learn in this school is Yahweh can reveal that to us in a vision of revelation, what that means. Just as Yahweh is set up in a threefold uh, nature, Three in one. We read that in First John 5 and 7. Yahweh the Father, Elohim the Word of Son, Yahshua the Holy Spirit. These three are one, not three different people. But one, we're set up that same way. So if we have time, we'll get to that. So let me cover this real quick. So what Yahweh revealed in this vision, that Yahweh has a threefold makeup. Very simple. We have it down at the bottom of this chart. You see number one, pure spirit. What? Spirit is, it is the ultimate source, the infinite and immaculate substance, the limits and the bounds of everything, where everything comes from. You could trace it back to its original source. It is spirit. You understand? It is the substance that everything is ultimately made up of. It is actually substance. A lot of times we think of spirit and We've seen movies and it's like, you know, this insubstantial. I think that was one of the words they used. This insubstantial, which means without substance. You understand? There's a, a, a classic horror novel. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it. The Shirley Jackson one. Anyway, it's about the ghosts. Anyway, that's what they call it. Insubstantial shades. That, those are ghosts. That was a word they used to describe ghosts. You understand? But here, Yahweh has shown that. He is the source and substance. That what that's what spirit is. Is the mm-hmm. ultimate source 
and substance. There is substance to it. It's not just some wispy, willowy nothingness. It is the substance. It is also the limits and bounds of everything. So now the entire universe is within Yahweh or its pure spirit state. That is Yahweh. We read John 4, 24, and that was Yahshua the Messiah who the world calls Jesus Christ. He says, Yahweh, or in your King James Version, God is spirit. That's what he is. So then we come to find out that spirit is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, Yahweh is spirit. He has the ability or the power of, this is a word for you, transmutation, which mm-hmm. simply means he can change his state from this pure spirit state. You, that's number one. You see here, substance, essence formless Yahweh in this pure spirit state is incomprehensible and inscrutable to us we can't see spirit we can't smell spirit we can't taste spirit we can't touch spirit not in that pure spirit uh, form or or, I'm sorry pure spirit state Yahweh now this is in the moderation too and this is why it's important for us to be come to class at the beginning and hear the beginning of the classes this is covered in the moderation every class Yahweh, knowing that we cannot, he didn't create us with spirit detectors. Our five senses cannot interact with spirit. Knowing that he created us in that way, he has the ability to take on a set shape and form whereby we can understand him. And that's what you see right here. Number two, Elohim, super incorporeal form, is manifested in visions to Moses, John, and the prophets. So now we see up here, we have Elohim. I'm over here pointing to it on the chart like you can see my arrow, <laughs> my cursor. Uh, we have Elohim at the top. It says word or son. Now, when those prophets are talking about the word of God came unto me saying, saying they're talking about Yahweh appearing to them in this super incorporeal form. All right. So now let me finish this up, up real quick. You go down to the third, number three physical form of Yahweh manifested I'm just reading off the chart manifested in the flesh as Yahshua and the material creation I told you that spirit pure spirit back we're back at number one is the is the source and the substance of everything and listen that means down to the atomic level we can't see atoms you understand and things like that but atoms are physical things they are spirit materialized you and i are spirit materialized if you and, and yahweh give me romans 1 19 22 please romans 1 and 19 for because that which may be known of yahweh is manifest in them mm-hmm. for yahweh has showed it unto them There's something that can be known about God because he's shown it to somebody. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. For the invisible things of him. How is he showing it to him? The invisible things of him from the very beginning. Go ahead. From the creation of the world are clearly seen. Wait a minute. Invisible things are clearly seen. This is the the, uh, apostle Paul. What is he talking about? You can see invisible things. Go ahead. Being understood by the things that are made, 
The invisible things of Yahweh. Yahweh is invisible. Spirit is invisible. You can understand the invisible things of our creator by what he made. He made this universe. You and I are a part of the universe. Everything that we see is spirit materialized. He made that in a particular way, and it testifies to him. I'll give you a quick, a quick example of that. You have a child. Your child is patterned after you. They look like you. You don't want to uh, have a pregnant girlfriend or wife or whatever, and the child comes out looking like a cat. That's not how it works, right? <laughs> it's going to, first of all, be human. And it's going to have features of the mother and the father. It's going to have those same features. Why is that? Yahweh created us that way because his creation, that child, your creation, his creation follows that same thing. He created the universe and it is patterned after him. So now you have Yahweh with these three states of existence. We just went through one, two, and three. Yahweh is pure spirit. Now, this is what I didn't say. When he, ch when he changes his state, that's still Yahweh. It's not a different spirit. This Yahweh, who is spirit at number one, can transmutate or change his state into a superincorporeal form. That's number two, known as Yahweh Elohim. And when you read your Bible, you will see the Lord God. Now, as I said, we've we talk about the name every class in the moderation. This is very simple research regarding the name. The Lord God knows things, those things. That's when they translated the Bible into English. They took out the proper names. Where it says the Lord God, it should say Yahweh Elohim or the word. You understand? So that same Yahweh who was spirit and invisible, when he comes into the super incorporeal, super incorporeal shape and form known as Yahweh Elohim, that's the same Yahweh. He has changed his state. He's not a different spirit, not a different guy. It's the same one. Yes. And then when he manifests as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ, that's still the same Yahweh who was at number one in super incorporate, I mean, in uh, pure spirit, who also manifested in shape and form or super incorporeal form to the prophets, to Moses and John and other prophets, as it says here on this chart, same one, then manifested in the flesh and walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, we got a scripture on here, and uh, Luanda already had it, and I'll go back to John, and we're going to follow this. Oh, right. The, back there, John 1 and 1. Right. He was the word. Uh-huh. The word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. We're starting to tie this together in our minds. Back there, they said the word of Yahweh came into me saying, clearly in this one, we, we have to learn about context, right? Seems like that's the word we're in. Everybody takes things out of context. And we're reading this. John starts off, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's clearly not talking about the Bible. He's not talking about your bound book, right? So what is he talking about? And I have a study, but I want to read this real quick. Mm-hmm. I have a study by a uh, uh, Schofield reference, and it has a footnote next to word. In the beginning was the word. There's a footnote for that. It says from Greek, a Greek word, logos, L-O-G-O-S. Uh, the Greek term means, one, a thought or concept. Two, the expression or utterance of that thought. All right. And so I'm going to read everything they say. Everything they say is not correct, but 
As a designation of Christ, therefore, logos is peculiar, peculiarly felicitous because one, in him are embodied all the treasures of the divine wisdom, the collective thought of God. He is from eternity, he is from eternity, but especially in his incarnation, the utterance or expression of the person. See, now he's bringing in this Trinity concept and thought of deity. That's so interesting. But anyway, what he's saying is I, what I wanted was that definition of the Greek word where they translated this from logos. In the beginning was the logos, the word. Uh, keep reading. Keep that in mind. Start over at one and read it. Keep reading. Okay. In the beginning was the word. Right. And the word was with Yahweh. Right. Word was Yahweh. In the beginning was the word. This word was with Yahweh and this word was Yahweh. Go ahead. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. All things were made by him. Mm -hmm. Without him was not anything made that was made. Clearly, we're not talking about the Bible. <laughs> I just want to get that. All things were made by him, this word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Go ahead. Fourth verse. Mm -hmm. was life. And the life was the light of men. Mm -hmm. and the light shineth in darkness. Mm -hmm. And the darkness comprehended it not. All right, jump down to 14. 14, 14 first. Mm -hmm. And the word was made flesh. Right. Up among us. Mm -hmm. And we beheld his glory. Mm -hmm. Glory of only begotten of the father full of grace and truth all right so he said this word that was in the beginning now you see that's what this chart is showing right there what we just read and that's in everybody's bible and even though my bible we just read that footnote he's trying to put forth the concept of a trinity with the footnote right there is proving the unity john says in the beginning was the word that's yahweh Elohim. the word was with yahweh the word was Yahweh. I just told you that Yahweh is pure spirit. When he takes on his shape, super incorporeal shape and form, or he transmutes, it's the same Yahweh. So he mm -hmm. says the word was Yahweh. You understand? He's in a different shape or he's in a different state of existence, right? So then, then we go to, he said, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with Yahweh, the word was Yahweh. He says, all things were made by him. Yahweh created the world. You understand? Same Yahweh. Then he says in the 14th verse, and the word was made flesh. That's Yahshua, the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So right there, he's disproving the, Trin the Trinitarian concept. And that's there's many places in the Bible where you, where you can find this, where Yahweh, I mean, just in the text of the Bible, where it proves that what Yahweh revealed to this man in this vision it's true that Yahweh is a unity. We read Deuteronomy 6 and 4, where it says Yahweh is a unity or Yahweh is one. We just read 1 John 5. And, I'm sorry. Uh, we read 1 John 5 and 7, where it says, um, how does that start? Not in, I'll keep, I want to say in the beginning. 1 John 5 and 7. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, not three, not three persons, one. Then we read first, uh, we read John, St. John, one and one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with Yahweh. The word was Yahweh. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The same word is one Yahweh. So Yahweh the Father in pure spirit, shape, and form. 
I'm sorry, in pure spirit state of existence without shape and form, we can't see him. We that's pure spirit. We can't see him in that state. He takes on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, the word or son, appears in visions to men, Moses, John, the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, all these men. You understand? Henry Clifford Kinley claims that he appeared to him. Now, I'm saying claim because we don't, I'm saying we don't expect you just to buy that. But put it to the test. Learn what we're saying. Let us present our argument to you. And then you do you go back and try to verify it or disprove it. You understand? So that's Yahweh Elohim. Without shape and form, we, you see this word? We had that word looked up, incorporeal or incorporeal, as some people uh, may pronounce it. He says, uh, Yahweh Elohim is super incorporeal form. What does that mean? We already read incorporeal, which means without the body. You see right there, corp, corpus, corpse, that's flesh, body. So incorporeal is without a body. Yahweh Elohim or Yahweh in this super or in this state of existence is a is in super incorporeal form, meaning that he's above the angels are incorporeal. He's uh, greater than them, than the angels, because he created the angels. So he's a super incorporeal form. Yahweh Elohim, the word. When they talk about the word, that's what they're talking about. <clears throat> and then uh, again, the word was made flesh. <clears throat> so Yahweh, the father, pure spirit, incomprehensible, inscrutable in this state, changes its state, takes on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, the word or son, further can manifest in a physical body and as the creation as we know it and see it. I'm sitting at a desk right now. Ultimately, this desk is made out of wood, which is, comes from trees and all this other stuff. Ultimately, it is spirit materialized. That's the original source and substance of everything you see is spirit. All right. That same Yahweh can manifest in a physical body, as Yahshua saying, walk the earth plane and allowed himself to be crucified. All right. Oh, oh. So now, real quick, I'm almost done. We want to get a Romans 1, 19 and 20. We read Romans 1, 19 and 20. It says, uh, read it again because I don't want to misquote uh -huh. it. I get up here yeah, and can't start talking. They can't remember how the <laughs> scripture is quoted. Right. Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Mm -hmm. For Yahweh has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him right. from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power mm -hmm. and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. Now that's a wonderful point. I forgot that was in there. He said the invisible mm -hmm. things of Yahweh are clear, invisible things. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, think about what's, what he's saying there. You can clearly see invisible things of Yahweh by the things that he made. In other words, you can understand these things that we can't see. So we're like, how do we know that Yahweh is spirit and he's the source of substance? How, what does that mean? You're just making that up. Well, let's look at what he made to see if it bears that out. Then he said the invisible things of Yahweh can be understood, uh, can be clearly seen by the things that he made, even his eternal power and supernal nature. Now that's in the... Uh, um, holy name version of the Bible in your King James version it says 
even his eternal power and Godhead. So that's what we were just talking about. That's what they call the Trinity, the Godhead, right? You can understand. In other words, the nature of our creator. Is he three people, three persons? Is it a committee up there? What we we're presenting to you is that Yahweh is a unity. As it says in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Yahweh is one. Yahweh is a unity. It's not three people and he ain't up there and looking down at us and he sent Jesus and y'all killed his son, Jesus, and God mad at everybody. That's not what it is. It's Yahweh manifesting. He's playing all these roles. And he's doing all of this. So he made something in the world to testify to that. You understand? So quickly. I know those of us who've been coming for a long time may be tired of hearing this, but these are profound secrets. And if Yahweh don't reveal it to you, you just won't get it. And it's the thing about when Yahweh reveals stuff to you, it's so simple. Like it's convoluted things like, you know, any religion, all these religions have these convoluted things. You jumping through all these hoops, trying to be holy, trying to understand something about your creator. And Yahweh made it very simple. One, two, three. Yahweh, Father, Elohim, Word of Son, Yahshua, Holy Spirit, Father, Word, Holy Spirit. These three are one. One, two, three. Very simple. You understand? So now Yahweh created matter. Everything we see is made up of matter. Listen. And I said that down to the atomic level, we can't see atoms. We can't see them. How do we know they exist? You understand? This desk I'm sitting at, as I said, is made out of wood. This wood is comprised of atoms and particles, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not a scientist. You don't have to be a scientist to understand it. But we're generally accepted that atoms exist. You can understand how they exist because scientists have done all this research. We got a scientist on here right now. He can explain it better than I can. You understand? But my point is that at, at, on the atomic level, these things are invisible to us. That is Yahweh made that to show some about him. In his pure spirit state, it, he's invisible to us, unknowable to us. We can't look and say, oh, I'm looking at this wood. I see the atoms. You can't see. Them. You know what I'm saying? You can't see them like that. You see? Oh. So these same, uh, so Yahweh created matter in that way. So I'm going to use the example of H2O real quick. And we have it right here uh, so much. You see underneath these names, we have Yahweh, Father, Elohim, Word, Son, Yahshua, Holy Spirit. You see these white boxes here? Somebody else can go into this, but this is, uh, these are in the shape of the tablet. Show the Moses chart real quick. Mm -hmm. I don't want to jump over this. Mm -hmm. You see right here in the center of this chart? We have this structure. It's known as the tabernacle. There's 40 chapters dedicated in your Bible. You can read about it on your own time. But what I want to say is this structure was something that Yahweh told them to build. But this pattern, this structure is a pattern. You got to get it. I was trying to jump past it, but we got to get it. Get uh, where Yahweh said, let them, when Yahweh said, let them make me a sanctuary. And then get the, I think it's the 40th chapter where he says, see, see that you make everything after the pattern. Just real quick, and I'm, I'm almost done. Okay. That is, um, he, uh, sorry, Exodus 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And who, what, where, when, why, how? Mm -hmm. Yahweh mm -hmm. speaking to Moses, telling him to tell the children of Israel to make him a sanctuary. Go ahead, start it off. Mm -hmm. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Mm -hmm. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, right. even so shall you make it. Right. And then get to the other one real quick. What was the other one? I'm sorry. I think it's Exodus 40. 
uh, like the last word says, uh, see if you make all things after the pattern. 25 and 40. 25 and 4. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Thanks. Still there. Okay. Exodus 25 and 40. Mm -hmm. And look that thou make them after their pattern, mm -hmm. which was showed thee in the mount. Right. So now, yep. Yeah. So now Yahweh showed Moses this pattern in the mount. He told him to make this, this sanctuary. It's going to be patterned after this pattern. Now, the name of this chart is Elohim. We already went through who Elohim is. That's Yahweh in super incorporeal shape and form. The name of this chart is Elohim, the archetype. The word archetype means original, something to be patterned, something to be imitated, something that things are patterned after. Yahweh Elohim is the original pattern of the universe. He is the pattern. So that's why Romans 1, 19 and 20, he says you take the uh, in the, take the natural things. We, that's how we paraphrase that verse. You take the natural things to understand spiritual things, or you can understand the invisible things of Yahweh by looking at what he made because they're made after a pattern. He is the pattern. I just mm -hmm. told you, when you have your child, you are the pattern for them. Mm -hmm. You're that way because Yahweh is that way, not the other way around. He ain't that way because we're, he created us. Just like nobody comes up to you and says, boy go, or goes up to your child and says boy your daddy looks just like you <laughs> no you got that backwards you look just like your daddy because they were before you so Yahweh's before us he created us we are our children are born that way we're the pattern for our children because he's the pattern for us his always this universe is his offspring all right okay. mm -hmm. so he had to make this this uh sanctuary that threefold tabernacle and that's just, that's an example of the pattern. It's a physical structure, but it's showing the same thing that we learned about Yahweh. You can go back to the name chart real quick. Mm -hmm. I said as simple as one, two, three, Yahweh the Father, or in pure spirit state, Elohim, the Word or Son, or Yahweh in super incorporeal second form, Yahshua, the Holy Spirit, or Yahweh manifested in the flesh and as the material creation. One, two, three, one Yahweh. So this tabernacle had three sections. It had a most holy place. You see it right there on that first chart this is just a diagram of that same thing we looked at in, in the center of that last chart you had a most holy place the center section is called the holy place and then the uh, at the bottom you see court roundabout which is a section that went around the other two sections one two three one tabernacle most holy place holy place court roundabout one tabernacle so let's jump over you have father Word, I thought they had it in one of the tabernacles here. But anyway, you have Father that would be in the most holy place. Word or Son would be in the holy place. Holy Spirit would be in the court roundabout. One, two, three, one Yahweh. All right. So he's showing. Yahweh told man to be, Yahweh told man to build three things only. All these people out here, God told me to build a church. No, he didn't. He told man to build, start at the bottom in the court roundabout. He told Noah to build the ark. We just read where he told Moses and the children of Israel to build the tabernacle. That's in that middle section or the, the holy place. And then he told Sol David and Solomon to build his temple. One, two, three. You understand? The Bible or Yahweh's story is set up. Law, we're in the bottom, the court run about. Prophets, that's the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And fulfillment, what we commonly call the New Testament. Then you go over to the next tabernacle. We're just showing how these... Everything Yahweh created and everything he's doing is working by the same pattern. Father, Word, Holy Spirit. Most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. You, 
head cavity, chest cavity, abdominal regions. So just everything works in that way. Yahweh made it that way to show us something about him. So in matter, matter has three primary phases. Gas, you see that right there in the most holy place. Liquid is in the holy place and solid. We've learned this in grade school. This is basic stuff. You don't have to be a physicist to know this. This is basic stuff. You deal with it and interact with this stuff every day. So we have H2O, water is fundamental for our life, right? Water has three states of existence. Listen, it's showing us something about Yahweh. He created it to operate the way it does, to have us, so we don't sit out here and believe a made-up concept of the Trinity. <laughs> you understand? This is why these things work this way. So H2O can be in a gaseous state. It's in a gaseous state where you are right now. There's H2O in a gaseous state in this room. In your wherever you're at, there's H2O in that in the air, in the atmosphere, in a gaseous state. It's getting cold outside. So if you live in a colder climate, we're in Michigan, you're gonna have your furnace on if you don't already. You will see condensation on, on your windows sometimes, right? When you have that heater on and it's cold outside. Where what is that? Where's that water coming from? That is water that was in the gaseous state. And what is it in this gaseous state? It is invisible to us. We don't detect it in this gaseous state. We are generally unaware of it. We're not just walking around like, ooh, there's H2O in this gaseous state. We're not aware of it. That's that's showing us something about Yahweh and his pure spirit state. We can't see him. We can't think about him. We're not even aware of him most of the time. You understand? But we know that water exists in that gaseous state because when you cool the temperature down, and that's what happens. When you see condensation on your windows, you go get a glass of ice water, you put ice in there, all of a sudden there's water on the outside of the glass. Where'd that water come from? That is that water that was invisible in its gaseous state. It is now cooled down and be, it's changed its state and become visible. It was invisible in a gaseous state. Now it's in a liquid state. It literally changes its state of existence. Just as Yahweh is pure spirit and unknowable and can change his state of existence and become visible to mankind. And that's what, when, so when we read Isaiah and them, the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, Yahweh became invisible to them. I mean, it's visible to them. Just as water changes from invisible, or H2O can change from invisible into liquid water. Now it's visible. Now you see it. Now you're aware of it. Ooh, there's water on the outside of my glass. There's condensation on my window. That same H2O, that was invisible in the gaseous state and can become visible in the liquid state. What are its qualities or properties in the liquid state? It takes on the shape and form of any vessel you put it in. It's kind of hard to hold water, right? It's not a solid shape. That, you can freeze that. The temperature comes down more. You freeze it. Now it's a solid and it's going to be in whatever shape and form you froze it in. It's in a, it's, you understand what I'm saying? You freeze it in a, they got all these fancy ice cube makers now. For those who like to have a drink every now and time, every now and then, got these. You can make them big round balls. You can make them in the shape of long rectangles. Whatever, it's going to freeze in whatever shape you you put that water in. That water, when it becomes solid, it will stay in that shape and form. That's likened unto Yahweh, who was invisible. Yahweh the Father, pure spirit, became visible, seen in visions and revelations as Yahweh Elohim, the Word, still incorporeal, without flesh and blood. He became flesh as Yahshua Messiah, you understand, and walked among them. And I said it before, allowed them to crucify him. 
You understand? Because that's a part of his purpose. Somebody else can go into that. Same Yahweh, though. Are we, are we getting that point? Same Yahweh. Mm. Pure spirit. Same Yahweh in shape and form. Same Yahweh as Yahshua Messiah. Same spirit. You understand? So give me one more scripture and I'll be done. You understand? Uh, I didn't tell you scripture. John 14th <laughs> chapter. I'm sorry. That's a chart. John 14th chapter. And we want to get, because this is Yahshua Messiah, who the world calls Jesus Christ. And he is going to verify this as well. What, 14 and 1, Glory? Yeah, start at 1 off. I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, uh, that's John 14th chapter, first verse. Mm -hmm. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Yahweh, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. Mm -hmm. I tell you, I must go to prepare a place for you. Mm -hmm. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Mm -hmm. that where I am, there ye may be also. Mm -hmm. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Keep going. Thomas saith unto him, Rabbi, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Yahshua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, ye should have known my Father also. Mm -hmm. From henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Rabbi, show us the Father. And it suffices us. Now we clear we all heard that. That's why I had read had to read from the beginning. We heard his question, Philip's question, right? Or was it Thomas? Uh, yeah, Philip's question. He yeah. said, "Show us the Father, and we and we be good. We good. If you show us the Father. Go ahead. Read what Yahshua's answer is." Thank verse. Yahshua saith unto him, "Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip?" He that has seen me has seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Now then, show us the Father. Right. That's his answer to that question. He said, show us the Father. Yahshua says, have I been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? When you see me, you see the Father. He's declaring that, listen, he's Yahweh in a physical body. <laughs> he knows who he's not uh, clueless about that. That's what... That's what we read in that footnote. And that's what one of the concepts of the Trinity, the divinity of Jesus Christ. Did he know he was God? Was he God? Of course, he, this is Yahweh manifesting. He got the same mind. Listen, he put this. This is another Romans 1, 19 and 20, taking the natural to understand spiritual. Think of Yahweh in these states of existence as playing different roles. He's doing different things in these states of existence. Same Yahweh. You have different roles with different responsibilities. We all have some similar roles. Most of us, well, number one, we know we're somebody's son or daughter because we exist, right? So you have a role as a child or an offspring or a son or a daughter to your parents. Generally, most people become, they grow up, they become, they get married or be in some kind of relationship. So you're acting as a spouse to someone. And then you have offspring. So you're acting as a parent to someone else. So you got roles as being a, son or daughter, being a spouse, being a parent. Do you get confused in any of those three roles? No, it's the same you. If you, as, as if, if I'm 
I'll use myself for example. Me as a son to my parents, if I like chicken, if the son me likes chicken, it, the father me don't dislike chicken. You understand what I'm saying? It's the same mm-hmm. person, but different roles. My relationship to my parents is different than that to my spouse, which is different than the relationship to my child, but it's the mm-hmm. same me. You understand? So it's the same Yahweh. So he says, when you see me, you have seen the father. He knows who he is. The same Yahweh. He says, how are you going to say, uh, <laughs> show us the father? You understand? Now drop down real quick and I'm, I promise I'm done after this. Get, uh, go to uh, 14 and 16. We're going to find out who this Holy Spirit is because that may be something that's a little unusual to people. You say, wait a minute, you got Yahweh the Father, Elohim the Word or Son, and then Yahshua, Jesus as the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Right. All right, go ahead. Let's find out who this Holy Spirit is and does the Holy Spirit have a name and all of that. Let's find out real quick. Yahshua said it. Jesus said it. It's in everybody's Bible. <laughs> but it takes Yahweh giving a person a vision, not for you to worship the person who had a vision, but Yahweh, look, he spoke through Moses to the children of Israel. That's who Yahweh chose to speak to, was Moses. Mm-hmm. Not for you to worship Moses, but then listen. And those, and them people had them same issues with Moses. Who do he think he is? Is God, uh, is he the only one God talking to? Well, Yahweh proved it, didn't he? You see? So, anyway. So now, it's, it takes a vision for Yahweh to reveal these things. They've been in our Bible the entire time, and none of us saw it. None of us. So okay, we don't, none of us have anything to boast about. No, none of us were smart enough to figure this out. Right. Jump down. We'll find out about this Holy Spirit. I'm done. Okay. You want John 14 and 16? Yeah. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Mm-hmm. And abide with you forever. This is that same conversation we just read, where he said, show us the Father and all of that. I'm going away to prepare a place. Same conversation. He's telling them this now he said uh i will pray to father that he will send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever because remember at the beginning he said i'm going away what he's saying is i'm taking off this flesh i'm going to be crucified he said i'm gonna pray to father to send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever go ahead and read that sounds like he's talking about something different right Uh oh there's another party involved let's finish reading the spirit of truth Mm -hmm. cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He's dwelling with you right now, talking to you, but shall be in you. Go ahead. 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Did you catch that? He just said, I'll pray to Father to send you another comforter. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He is the comforter. You understand? So now drop down to 26 and that's it. Six verse, but comforter. This is the same comforter. We're talking about this comforter now. Who is the spirit of truth? That's the Holy Spirit. All right. This comforter, go ahead. Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. Right. The Father will send in my name. In his name, Yahshua the Messiah. His name was Yahshua. The Father, the comforter's name is Yahshua. Or the Holy Spirit's name is Yahshua. And that's why we have it on that chart like that. Who the Father will send in my name. Go ahead. Shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. All right. I have said unto you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that's it. I'm going to stop right there. I hope that I was able to get the simplicity across to you that Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, these three are one, as it says in 1 John 5 and 7. He put things in this earth plane or in his creation to testify to that. You and I testify to that. 
everything testified to that. So we come to this class to learn of these things and it'll give you some comfort and some peace in the midst of this chaotic world that we're going in. And you can have something that you can stand on. The things that we just talked about as far as like uh, H2O and gas liquid solid, you just, you can't deny it. You understand? You can not like it, but you see what I'm saying? You can have something that's, you know, for sure. You understand? Not just, I think, I hope, I believe. And that's what it takes you out with a given man a vision for us to be able to um, have that kind of surety or that kind of knowledge about Yahweh. So with that, all praise to Yahshua Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Lewis. Really enjoyed that. Um, I'm going to be the next speaker. I just want to just uh, a couple of things to pick up where the previous speaker left off. And because we do have a relatively new person who really love his name of being Joshua, wanted to uh, point out a couple of things that the previous speaker talked about. Now he he mentioned, and it was it was said in the moderation and in that class, that first class you attended, that um, this school, this is a school and not a church. And this school was set up as a result of a divine vision and revelation that was given to a particular man in the year 1931. And as the previous speaker had said, now the one thing he said that differ, that differentiates him from the rest of the world and from these preachers out here, he said, now I said I had a divine vision and revelation from the creator of heaven and earth. And then he said, now you make me prove it. Now that sets him apart in this aspect. You know, just being in the world today, people don't want or need proof to believe something. They believe anything that will fit what they already believe. Because remember, if you, if what you thought was true, if you thought it was true, you wouldn't, it, you wouldn't think it. So what you think you think is true. So the world is not concerned with proof and evidence. But what this man said was that the creator of heaven and earth himself gave him a vision that encompasses John the Revelator's vision. It encompassed Moses's vision because these two, Yahweh gave them a great vision. He gave him Moses a vision that showed him the creation of heaven and earth from start to finish. Then he gave John the Revelator a vision showing the creation of earth from finish to beginning. And the reason he did that is so that these two could confirm each other's vision. Now, the world doesn't know that the vision that John had is the same vision that Moses had, because when they read John's vision, they think of it as futuristic. But see, it takes once again a Yahweh Elohim or the creator himself to make himself known to his creatures. So what he did, he gave a man Henry Clifford Kinley in the year 1931, a vision that encompasses both these visions. And what that did was confirm what Moses saw and what John saw. So what we do here, we give you proof and evidence. That's why he was able to say, don't take my word for it, but make me prove it. And almost everyone on this call, it has been proven to their satisfaction. Everyone has a different level of satisfaction. What satisfies me may not satisfy you, Joshua, 
what satisfy you may not satisfy Dr. Lewis, the previous speaker. That's why we know that this thing came directly from our Heavenly Father, because he is able to, like a true parent, speak to each one of his children individually and on their level to prove himself to them. So we talked about how Dr. Kinley said this is a divine vision of revelation. And the previous speaker talked about everything in the universe going by this pattern. So I want to just, just give you one example that I think is just one of the most pretty things I've ever I've ever heard. So just go, I'm going to go back to this. This is the larger chart. It's called Man Made in the Image of Elohim by the Pattern of the Tabernacle. This chart is what solidified my understanding because what it's showing you is that this tabernacle pattern that Yahweh gave Moses in the mount, he told him to make it and don't error in it because it's the pattern of heavenly things and all things. What this is showing you is that your own physical body goes according to this tabernacle pattern. That's why Paul can say, so they are without excuse. Yahweh says, you don't have an excuse not to know me because everybody has a physical body. And this physical body depicts or goes by this tabernacle pattern, which this tabernacle pattern shows you the um, the unity of the spirit of Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua that the previous speaker talked about. So your, your physical body you have here in your most holy place, you have a, um, a vessel that is called the Ark of the Covenant. It's a three-in-one vessel. It has a base and then it has two archangels at the top. This is not where I wanted to go, but this is where Yahweh's sending me. It has two archangels at the top. Now you take that. Now the reason it's here and you see this veil here, this veil covered this part of the tabernacle. It was completely dark. There was never any light in this tabernacle. There was only light in this tabernacle once per year on the Day of Atonement. And that is when that high priest went up to this part of the tabernacle for the third time and asked Yahweh for forgiveness for everyone and everything and the cleansing of the sanctuary. And then the Shekinah would flash. That's the only light that was ever in this tabernacle. Now let's take that over to your physical body. Your head cavity, which houses your brain, there is never any light in here. No outside light gets into your brain. Your brain has two distinct halves to it. We call them hemispheres, and that's a play on words. He is here. So this hemisphere has a left and a right side. If you go back over to this Ark of the Covenant, it has a left angel and a right angel. Why is that? One angel was an angel of action. That would be Mike L. That's Michael. Yahweh is with us. Mike L. The other one would be Gabriel. Once again, Elohim. Elohim being with us. So you have Michael, who was the warrior angel or the angel that Yahweh sent when he needed some action done. And then you have Gabriel, who was the messenger angel who Yahweh sent to give messages. He was the one that gave Mary Yahshua's name. So you move that over to your physical body. Your head cavity has two hemispheres. One hemisphere controls the action of your body. The other one controls your messages. So that is in, that is in coordination with this tabernacle pattern. 
Then you have this base here. You have, you see here the 10 commandments. You have seven commandments on one side of the, of the tablet and three on the other. You have in your, in your brain, the base of your brain, if I point to the nose, actually the base of the brain, it sits right here. It sits in a little compartment or groove in the skull. It's called the pituitary gland. That gland is the master gland of the body. That gland holds 10 hormones. Guess how many are on each side? You have an anterior portion of the pituitary and you have a posterior portion. The anterior portion houses, houses excuse me, seven hormones. The posterior houses three hormones. Those hormones, that pituitary gland is considered the master gland of the body. This seven, this, I'm sorry, this table, um, oh goodness, this 10 commandment law that Moses received in the Mount was considered the master commandments to the children of Israel. Now there were other commandments that Yahweh gave, but these were the quote unquote top 10. There are other hormones in your body, but these are the hormones that regulate all the other hormones. So see how that corresponds. It's so beautiful. And then I should step back. Your physical body is made of three distinct compartments. You have a head cavity, a chest cavity, and an abdominal cavity. These three cavities make up the one tabernacle or human body. Well, you may say, what about my arms and my legs? You can live without your arms and your legs. You've seen uh, quadriplegics. You've seen people who have either been born without limbs or have lost the use of their limbs. These are not important to your survival. What they are important to is for your mobility and your being able to do tasks throughout the day. But for you to survive, you need these three. These three compartments in the tabernacle pattern could not be separated and this still be considered one tabernacle. Your three compartments in your body cannot be separated and you still live. Well, ultimately, as the previous speaker said, what is that pointing to? That's pointing to the unity of the spirit. You cannot say that Yahweh in his pure spirit state is separate from Yahweh Elohim in his incorporeal form, who is also separate from Yahshua the Messiah, which is the Holy Spirit in the physical body. You cannot separate them. That makes them one and not a trinity. So then you go over here to the second compartment in this tabernacle, which is called the holy place. And you'll see this veil here, this veil. And because this is a 2D rendering, it's not 3D. This veil actually separated the um, holy place from the court roundabout. It looks like it's separating the most holy place from the holy place, but this is the first veil. So this separates this section from this section. In here, you have a light that was lit at 3 p.m. and it was extinguished at 9 a.m. There can never be any darkness in here. You had a altar of incense that was served as an intercession. Then you had a table of showbread. This table of showbread had 12 loaves of bread on it. What does that have to do with your physical body or how does that correspond with your physical body? This second part, remember, this is the holy place now. So now we're talking about your chest region. So you have these, these you have other organs here because your spleen is here, your kidneys are here. 
but we're talking about the configuration that corresponds to the items in this holy place. So here you have a um, seven branch lampstand that ensured that there was never darkness in this holy place. Now, this was only lit from 3 p.m. to 9 a.m. During the time it was out, there was sunlight coming through this door because this temple faced east. So there was always sunlight in here. There was sunlight here when that sun got to its high place and it got to be 3 p.m. They would light this so there was never any darkness. So you move over here, you have something in your body called a heart. Your heart has a branch on it, a one major branch called the eight order. And from that eight order, there branches off seven other branches. What that does by the beating of your heart, that flickering or that beating continues to give you life or light. When we say somebody lights out, that means they're dead. Your heart stop, starts pumping, your lights are out. So you have seven branches on this aorta that gives you life or light. You have a seven branch lampstand. Then you move over to this table of shoe bread. This table of shoe bread had 12 loaves of bread that the high priest only would come into the holy place to get his sustenance. If you still, we're still talking about the heart. The average man pumps 12 pints of blood throughout his body. That blood is your sustenance. That's what delivers that life-giving fluid called blood or oxygen to your entire body. Without it, you would have no life. That's your sustenance. So that corresponds to that 12, that 12 loaves of bread on this table of showbread. Then you have your altar of incense. Your altar of incense, what the high priest would do, he would come in here and he would light an incense, which had four main ingredients in it, to bring the sweet smell of Savior of, to Yahweh in this most holy place. And I should have started at the bottom, but I didn't. So I'm going to keep going because there's a reason he had to do this because there was a stench that came up from this court roundabout when the sacrifices were offered. So they had to um, make this uh, this make this incense that was a um, four ingredients that only the high priest knew the exact composition of. We know the ingredients, starch, um, onyx, galbanium, and frankincense, but we don't know the exact proportion of those um, ingredients that Yahweh wanted, only the high priest knew. So here you come over here, you have your lungs. Your lungs give you oxygen. Your, young, your lungs are what cleans the air that you breathe in. So you have here your oxygen, or not even oxygen, air has four main ingredients to it. Now, man knows what those ingredients are, but they don't know the exact composition. You ever see someone that has to get in a hyperbaric chamber, and what that chamber does, it infuses the cells with a lot more oxygen so that they can regenerate or rejuvenate um, anything that's going on in their body. So your body needs that oxygen. These lungs take that air in and the blood takes that oxygen and, and filters it throughout all your body. So there are four ingredients that make up the air we breathe. Man doesn't know the exact composition, but he knows the ingredients. When you get oxygen in a hospital, it's pure oxygen. It's not air. 
It's pure oxygen. Now we can take air, we can suck it out of the atmosphere and put it in a can and breathe it in, but they still don't know the exact composition. That corresponds with this altar of incense. Then you come down here, which is the court roundabout, that corresponds to your abdominal region. Why does that correspond to your abdominal region? As you can see here, this, this court roundabout, it went around and about. So that's exactly why it's called that court roundabout. And in here you had other vessels. You had an, a laver, a brazen laver of washing. You had an altar of sin sacrifice and you had a cup that had holy anointing oil in it. How does that correspond to your physical body? As you can see, this is not covered over. It, there's no um, top to it. Your gut area, someone punches you in the stomach, it knocks the wind out of you, why? It's not covered over with bone, like your chest cavity is covered over with your ribs and your head cavity is covered over with your skull. It's open, quote unquote, unlike these are. So here you have the, um, I'm started to get uh, the brazen labor, I'm sorry, the altar of sin sacrifice. This is where the high priest would take the sacrifices that people brought for sinning because Yahweh said, and someone can get that, if you sin, you die. You know, a sacrifice, there has to be a sacrifice in order for us to live. And we know Yahshua the Messiah was that ultimate sacrifice. But they had sacrifices here and they were always burning. This thing burned for 400 years nonstop because they were 40 years nonstop because they were always sinning. So here that that corresponds and you can see it's four sides. Right. And there's blood on each of those corners that corresponds to your abdominal region or your intestine. Your intestine, when you eat, it's like a burning sensation and it has four size to it. It's almost like in a square configuration. Not exactly, but almost. You have your, uh, your ascending colon, your sigmoid colon, your descending, and did I say that? I think I said it wrong. Your ascending, which is up, your sigmoid, your descending, and what am I missing, everyone? I'm missing one. Transverse. Transverse. Tra Thank you. Transverse colon. So that that is your that corresponds to the um, altar of sin sacrifice. Why? Because your food is burned in your intestines. It's a constant burning. And then you see these four points of blood in your intestines that corresponds with this gate. I'm sorry, with this altar of sin sacrifice. So now let's move up to this brazen labor washing. This is where they will wash the sacrifice before they I'm sorry, after they killed it. And they would drain that water out and they would fill it again with water and the priest would wash his hands and feet. There was a spigot at the bottom that they would drain it from. And that spigot also served to so that high priest could wash his feet. That What does that correspond to in your physical body? It corresponds to your kidneys. Now we know your kidneys are not together like this in your body. They're on either side in your back. But to put them together, you notice it forms a fig configuration of this altar, of this brazen labor of washing. And what do your kidneys do? They clean the blood. This water was used to clean the blood off those sacrifices or clean the dirt. Your kidneys clean your blood. And then once it's done, there's a liquid that is formed from your kidneys and it, it moves it into your bladder and your bladder has a spigot to where that fluid can exit your body. 
just as this brazen labor of washing had that spigot that can be drained. It would drain all those impurities out. And then you have one last vessel, little small little vessel, and it's called the cup of holy anointing oil. The cup wasn't holy. It was the oil in the cup that made it holy. And what this served to do, the high priest would be anointed before he did his service in this tabernacle so that he can perform his service without error. It kind of, if you want to say, and I use a plan words, it gave him super strength to be able to perform this without error. Let's come over to your kidneys. Your kidneys have something called adrenal glands. Now you have more than those adrenal glands on your kidneys there in other places, but you have these adrenal glands here on your kidneys because they act as a quickening that allow you to do superhuman things sometimes. You think about if you almost got in a car accident and you slammed on the brakes really quickly, you're okay for a second, but then all of a sudden you notice your hands are shaking, your body is shaking. That be, that's because your, your body pushed out adrenaline so that it could prepare you for whatever that tragedy was going to be. You've heard about moms picking cars up off their, off their children that fell or people that have wrestled bears or animals to, to protect their family. They got that superhuman strength. That's that adrenaline again that corresponds to this cup of holy anointing oil. So what this shows is that your physical body, and we can go into detail and even more. You, the previous speaker talked about this cell. Your cell has three parts to it. We can go into every single, your bones, how they correspond and everything. But your physical body is a perfect example of this tabernacle. And it also shows you the unity of the spirit of your heavenly father. So what your heavenly father has done for you, Joshua, and everyone else on this call is that he's opened your eyes to see the real, this, that this world was created to prove his existence. It wasn't created for us to live our lives and, you know, be successful. And if Yahweh allows you to have those things, then you give the honor and glory to him. But what it was ultimately put here to do was to prove that Yahweh, our Elohim, is a unity and not a trinity. And one more thing I'm going to show you, and then I'll uh, leave it for the next speaker. But the other thing, because like I said, the human body is what grabbed me and what caught me up into this teaching. The previous speaker talked about how Yahweh, Elo, Yahweh starts off, everything, is, everything has its origin in pure spirit. That means as far back as you can go, where you stop is pure spirit. Everything comes out of pure spirit. So let's think about that because once again, Romans 1, 19 and 20, and let's read that again really quickly, please, someone. I'm getting there, Felicia was. No worries. All right. Romans 1, 19. Mm -hmm. That which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Mm -hmm. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Mm -hmm eternal power and supernal nature so that they are without excuse. So what so Paul is saying here is that Yahweh has given the entire creation 
to show his eternal power and supernal nature. So the previous speaker talked about how a child is born. You want that child to look like you, or there may be some questions. So let's go back even further before that child is born. How does that child starts out? That child starts out as a cloudy substance that has no particular or descriptive shape or form. The man has that spermatic fluid that has no particular shape or form. That woman has that ovum that is waiting for it to be fertilized. So when you have that spermatic fluid, and remember, it's the man that gives life. If you think about it, I don't want to be graphic, but the man gives life, the woman receives life. So that man being Yahweh Elohim has that spermatic fluid, and that is incomprehensible, indiscernible. You can't look at that fluid and determine what that child is going to look like. But once that fluid or that fluid has inseminated that female body and one of those sperm penetrate that egg and that that um, life begins, then what you'll start to see is then it starts to take on a particular shape and form. And we know from uh, from science, it starts off as a zygote. It kind of looks like a, um, a snail out of its shell when it starts to form, but there's a particular shape and form. Remember before there was no particular shape and form. Now there is a particular shape and form. And as that baby starts to grow in that mother's womb, you will start to see evidence of it from the outside, but you still can't see that baby. You know she's pregnant by the bump. You hope that she's pregnant before you say something to her about being pregnant, but you can see from the outside so in order to see the baby, you need extra vision. So remember how he said John and uh, Moses had a divine, I'm sorry, had a, a vision and revelation where they did have divine vision and revelation in order to see Yahweh Elohim. Well, in order to see that baby still in the mother's womb, you need extra vision. What are you talking about? You need an x-ray or an ultrasound in order to see that baby. So what we're doing, once again, is proving the unity of that spirit. Now, this baby that you can see with an ultrasound isn't a different baby than that started off as that um, an intangible shape and form. It's the same baby. Then after nine months, you hope that baby now comes out and everybody can see the baby. So that will correspond to Yahshua the Messiah. Everybody can see him, touch him, and handle him. But it's not a different Yahweh Elohim. It's not different from pure spirit. It's that pure spirit taking on shape and form or coming down from pure spirit and being in that physical body of Yahshua the Messiah. So this is why we say that this thing is what Yahweh has allowed you to come to. And the more you come, the more you will realize Yahweh has not prepared this for everybody. Not everybody was invited to this party, but Yahweh invited you and he called you by name to say, come and know me, see who I am and how I actually exist. Now, don't let the world tell you that it's not that simple because Yahweh can be as base as he needs to be and he can be exalted and high up as he needs to be. But just like a child that's learning to read or to walk, you start with the basics with them. We, we gave you the names, what the true names were. 
we, in the moderation, we say no J, no Jesus. So when you think about, you're going back to the children of Israel and you have Moses here in this mount and he's with his minister, which is Yahshua, whom the world calls Joshua. There was no J, there was Yahshua. Now in this role, because remember, we're talking about roles, same person, same spirit, different role. In this role, he wasn't coming in to bring in eternal salvation. That was in this role. But this was Yahshua, the son of Nun, back here. Here, he's Yahshua, the Messiah. So what you, what Yahweh, and I keep saying it because Yahweh has, making, has made it more real to me day by day, that he has invited you to know him as he really is and actually exists. Because Yahweh is merciful, he would not put us here and give us the inkling or the desire to know where we come from, how the world was created, why we were created without being able to prove it to us. And that's what he's doing through these classes, through these charts. He has proven his existence to us, his son, so that we can know him more perfectly. You ever hear about kids that are adopted? They say, I want to know my true father, my true mother. That's the inkling we all have. We want to know him as he really is and actually exists, not reverence opinion, because I may not like reverence opinion and, and you know, Jehovah Witness opinion or whoever opinion. We don't want opinions. We want what thus saith Yahweh down here. And it's what thus saith Yahweh that has led us to know and understand that this thing that he has brought to us is the truth. Now, I will say this, and I'll preface it with this. No one that brings you, um, that Yahweh uses to bring you this teaching is perfect. We will slip up. I may have said something that was incorrect, but the teaching, the gospel that we present to you, that is perfect. That is without error. You get corrected because we are not perfect creatures. So what Yahweh is telling you is don't look at the person that's bringing it to you. Listen to what's being said. Don't put people up on pedestals. Oh, this is a great speaker and that's a great speaker because what Yahweh will do is have them say something incorrect just to see if you're paying attention to what's being said versus what, who the person is. So this teaching is a phenomenal thing. It is. Now I'm going to say this and you'll have to ask, ask Yahweh to prove it to you yourself. This is the only truth that is in this world. The only truth. As you are seeing, Joshua, in this world, everything is being exposed for the lie that it is, everything. And it's sometimes very disheartening, but what it does, it proves to us that Yahweh is not a liar. He said there is only one true, and that is him. This gospel is beautiful. It can be as simple as you want it to be. It can be as, as exalted or, or high as you want it to be. Yahweh is all those things because all things are in him and all things have its origin in him. So we do hope you come back. It was definitely nice to meet you when we were in person. I know this is only uh, a few classes for you and it's a lot to take in, but ask Yahshua to clear your mind of all those worldly things and show you the truth. If you ask that with sincerity of heart, he will do that for you. Because that's the type of Elohim that he is. That's the Elohim that we worship. One that does not have a short arm, 
one that doesn't just listen to prayers or a football game, let this team win versus that win. That's not the Elohim we worship. We worship the Elohim that is all knowing and that is true and that wants his sons to know him as he really is and actually exists. And with that, I will say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for our uh, final speaker of the evening, we're happy to call the Dean of our Southfield Michigan class, Dr. Marvin Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good evening, everyone. I want to uh, begin by saying uh, to welcome our new visitor uh, to our class sessions, and hopefully he was able to gain some foresight and understanding about the things we were talking about. Um, I know and understand that they are very new, uh, and unless he's done research on his own, he may not have heard many of these scriptures and names that we use. So what we do is, is we try to go slow. We try to be patient because someone did that with us. Someone put up with uh, right. my stupid questions. And uh, right. the other side of that, they put it with my bravado too, about what I knew about religion when I first walked in here. And the truth of the matter is this, is that we knew in our previous affiliations, but regardless of what organization it was, we knew absolutely nothing about our creator for an assurity. Now we thought we knew, we said we knew a lot of stuff. We thought we knew people that knew something about God. Mm -hmm. See, but it turned out that they really didn't because you asked him some simple questions and they couldn't answer them for you. My question was this, where did God come from? When did God get here on earth? Simple questions like that. And no one had to answer for it. what we were heard, what we would hear is things like this. Well, now, son, you just have to be patient and let God reveal himself to you as he will. Or, if you pressed them too hard, they'd say, we're just out of God's business. But we come down in this teaching, which is a product of a divine vision and revelation. As the moderator said, given to our founder and dean emeritus, Dr. Henry Clifford Kennedy. And now I want it to be known right from the start, we are not worshiping a man. Because the person that we're talking about, Henry Clifford Kennedy, Oftentimes said, there ain't no difference between you and me. Yahweh had to show me his purpose just like he has to show you. And for our new visitor, Yahweh has to show you just like he showed us for you to come to a profound knowledge and understanding of Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. The previous speakers talked about this being a product of a divine vision and revelation, not a divine imagination, not a divine storytelling, but a divine vision. In other words, the founder of this school saw what he was teaching. He had experienced the same thing that Moses experienced, and you have to come back and somebody can go in there real detail about what happened when Moses was caught up on that mountain, see? 
on the top of Mount Sinai. And you know what these the pictures, the chart you're looking at now is a pictorial illustration, illustration, excuse me, of not just of Moses' vision, but of the whole entire purpose of your creator, right from Alpha to Omega, from the beginning to the end. That's how much information is in there. You heard the old saying that picture's worth a thousand words. See, well, this picture here you're looking at, or this chart here, is worth a zillion souls. Because what it does is it manifests Yahweh's true purpose, and it manifests Yahweh how he really is and actually exists, so that you can come to understand what Yahweh requires of you and all of us in order for us to be saved. And now, if you weren't interested in being saved, you wouldn't be tuned into this. So I want you to get me the scripture where it talks about uh, uh, without a vision, people perish. And then we try to stay in the, in the scriptures, and this is why. Because we want to keep our opinions out of this. See, we want to, don't want to rat on about I think this and I think that because what we thought wasn't worth a nickel or else we would have known, known about this long before somebody introduced us to this teaching. So our thought presses, in most cases, are not something to really be bragging about. So do you have that scripture for me, please? Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 18. Thank you so much, uh, Sasha. Proverbs 29, 18. <clears throat> Where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Right. Now, where there's no prophetic vision. Now, a prophetic vision simply means this. It's not a vision. You don't get a vision or you see a vision and then you start prophesying. No, you have to be a prophet in order to get the vision. So Yahweh gave you the vision so that you could prophesy something about him. So you don't... What we do is we confuse visions with dreams. And that's why we can't explain it all. Right. But the way you find that Moses and uh, uh, those other prophets right on down to John on the Isle of Patmos, they all had visions and revelations. And how do you know that? Because they could explain the purpose, the beginning or the start of Yahweh's purpose and the end of Yahweh's person, purpose. And here's the thing about it. This is why we make it a point to stay in that book and not just read one phrase out of the book and close the book and then give you a two-hour lecture about what I thought and what we see. We stay in the book because everything, all those prophets, those apostles, all of them talked about one thing and one thing only. And that was Yahweh's purpose through his son, which the first speaker went into great detail to explain to you that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. They are not three different entities. Right. You, don't, you don't learn about one and then tarry for the other. Because when you're learning about one, you're learning about all of them. That's why it's called in the scriptures, Yahweh Elohim is Yahweh a unity. That's in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. If you want to write it down, you can look it up. 
Now, if you look it up in the King James Version, it's going to say, God, our, the, the Lord, our God, is the Lord one. But they're attesting to the same thing, albeit not with any clarity. But Yahweh, our Elohim, is Yahweh a unity, which means one. So like the previous speaker talked about, when you have Yahweh in that pure spirit state, symbolized as a cloud. Why would you pick a cloud, God? It seems like you would pick a great big statue that stretched from the ground all the way up into outer space. It's simply this, because Yahweh knew our state of recognition of anything superior to us when he created us. So what Yahweh had to do was use the simplistic things in his creation that he made, and he made his creation to witness to him, not to us. Hmm. We think we own the world because we're the smartest animal on the planet. None of us had anything to do with making this planet. And I'll tell you something else. See, in addition to that, none of us have anything to do to maintaining this planet, to have it rotate, see, around the sun in the same cycle every day, 24-7, 365, unerringly. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nobody on the earth smart enough to bring that about. I don't care how much science you know or have studied. Mm -hmm. And what Yahweh's doing is just using the simple, simplistic things that happen day-to-day -day life to let you know. I see the bell to let you know and understand that he does really exist and he's in control and that you mm. do have someone, someplace, Yahweh Elohim, that can help you and lead you and guide you to peace, joy, and happiness. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a stretch with all this stuff going on in the world right now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that sounds like, oh, no, you can't do that. But I'll tell you something what Yahweh did with this. With this last election I had, now all what Yahweh did with that was simply this. It should have given some of you common sense people some hope. Mm -hmm. See, so with what it does is it lets you know that regardless of how mankind acts or reacts to anything, Yahweh's in control. He can only do so much. See, mankind can only do so much. He is not going to be allowed to destroy anything because this is Yahweh's purpose. Yahweh has the plan and we are going to adhere to it. Now, whether you come out on the backside or come out at the end of this purpose and plan that Yahweh has, it depends on whether or not you believe what Yahweh's telling you. Now, you have to come back because what they told you tonight is didn't even scratch the surface. As a matter of fact, me, the first couple of times I came to class, I was confused mm -hmm. because I never heard anyone explain to me that God is not unto me, even in my mouth. Listen to yourself breathe sometimes. Now that's how close. That's what makes that scripture true. First time I heard that scripture, I said, that don't make any sense to me. 
how is how is Yahweh nine to me even in my mouth because he's your right. breath of life right and that's why you have to breathe Yahweh. so just continue on give Yahweh a little bit of attention and he'll open up your understanding just like a Japanese fan you'll be able to come to understand and know the purpose of Yahweh from the beginning to the end and what it will do for you is it'll give you peace and joy and comfort in these trying times where the world seems like it's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. See, it'll allow you to calm down and enjoy the things that Yahweh has created and placed in front of you so that you can come to a profound knowledge and understanding of him and his son's purpose, which is within us. So, Thank you for the time, and I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Lewis. And that does bring a conclusion to our class for this evening. We want to once again thank all our visiting brothers and our returning visitor for coming out to study with us. We do truly hope and sincerely hope that Yahweh said something to prick your heart and mind that you'd come back and study with us. We do hold our classes here on Zoom every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Sundays on Zoom from 11.30 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This Sunday, our class will be on Zoom. We will have our next in-person class on the 20th. And we'd also like to announce that um, the uh, funeral service for Dr. Henrietta Leitner will be this weekend. Um, Saturday in Toledo, Ohio. Um, if you want more information, please uh, reach out to um, myself or um, one of the other brethren because an email went out to a few and I think we'll go ahead and send it out to the entire body so that we all have that information. And now let us give reference to our Heavenly Father Yahweh through the doxology. So please stand in your hearts and minds. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before all time now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.